is there a moment that when you guys share stuff between each other and you think to yourself like man i'm so happy i have my own office yes like yes does it happen it happens yeah in what like do you have an example well uh, i mean they in when you're working for a dso a lot of times you're driven by the numbers um their managers make you work make you do things and there could be conflicting ideas on the treatment plan or what is best in the situation and having your own practice means I get to make the call. If I'm not comfortable doing that, I'm not doing it. And you can't make me do it. Right. And then also when it comes to vacation planning, having your own right. office definitely helps. Right. All right, Dr. Jack Fan. Hello. Welcome to Zen One Podcast. You've been a Zen member for quite some time now. And I do like to interview our doctors because there's something special about people that join the platform and then give us the chance and they work with us and provide the feedback. And you're probably like number five or number six user on the new platform. And so I really wanted to get your ideas and maybe your life story on, on a Zen podcast. And I wanted to start so you have a practice here in Austin. Yes. And how long did you start this practice ago or acquired? And then how did you get into the dentistry to begin with? Well, I started the practice back in 2016. Um, but before then, I was working at this location since 2013, since I moved to Austin. So all in all, I've been this place, well, about 10 years now. Wow. Mm -hmm. And then you, you said you moved here to Austin, right? Mm -hmm. In 2013. Yes. Okay. Where did you go to school? I was in New York City. Okay. Going to NYU. So from NYU all the way to Austin. Right. How did that happen? Well, at that time, I was looking for a place, you know, I mean, after living in New York for this many years, I wanted a place that had some space to myself. Um, so I wanted a place that's still growing, um, kind of a quirky, mid-sized city. And I had a couple, I had a couple candidates. Uh, Seattle was one of the options, and then Austin, Texas was one of the options. And I just settled for Austin. That's awesome. And then did you grow up in New York? I did not. I grew no. up in California. California? Yeah. So you from California all the way to NYU and then in Austin. Yep. I'm pretty much making my trek around the around the US. Wow. Where did you grow up in, in California? I was grew up in I grew up in Claremont, which is in the LA County mm -hmm. area. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't mind, how did dentistry get in your radar? Like how did it become that you wanted to be a dentist? Well, it kinda had that you know, typical Asian stereotype that you have to be a doctor of some sort. So my family has always been uh, kind of growing me to become a doctor. Um, I didn't really want to go to medical school because of the how long it takes and the, tr the training that's involved. So I was looking for more uh, hands-on, more clinical things like dentistry or optometry or maybe nursing. Uh, I have an uncle who's a dentist in California. So that happened to be one of like the that opened the door for me. And then when I was in undergrad, I was volunteering with a, uh, or, with a charitable organization and they had uh, medical outreaches to some of the, like, the farming communities. Um, and that kind of showed me the need for dentistry in these, in, in, doing these services. So okay. that- Was it in California too? That was in California, right. Awesome, and so after that, you're like, dentistry is the way to go. Right. Okay, and how did you pick NYU? Well, I mean, 
Growing up in California, I was always been living in sort of a, a suburban, semi-rural place. So I kind of want to see what a big U.S. city would be like.、Um, my option at that time was either New York City or Fort Lauderdale, and New York City. Yeah, won New York、out. City. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To like, did you live in the city in the actual yes. Manhattan? Yes. That's so cool. So, did you have to take the train? Yeah, I pretty much take the subway everywhere.、Um, in between places, a lot of walking. Yeah, do you miss that? I do. I do not ha- not need to worry about driving or parking,、um, and have a dependable、uh, no transportation, no matter how late it was. Yeah, I still remember the days. I lived in New York, but more like Queens、mm-hmm. in two thousand eighteen, I think. Yeah, I think around seventeen eighteen,、mm-hmm. and I still remember、um, a couple of my friends came over to see me. So we drive from Queens to. Manhattan,、mm-hmm. and that was like twelve o'clock at night or like one、mm. o'clock in the morning, and、um, everybody's tired. I was there right after the flight, and I remember we we're just like pulling up to twi- Times Square,、mm-hmm. and everybody's eyes lit up like there's just <laughs> like so much energy. Everybody's so energized, and then we drive through Times Square and we walk around. It was so much fun. Get back in the car, start driving a little lower Manhattan,、mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden everybody is falling asleep again. <laughs> I'm、like wow, this place has got a lot of energy. It does, it does.、Um, Times Square with the lights and everything really opens it, opens up your eyes. Yeah, yeah. And then after finishing finishing up, I can't even talk. Finishing up the dental school,、mm-hmm. uh, you decided to come to Austin, right?、Yes. And so, did you find this place right away as an、uh, associate ship? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I went. I, I moved to Austin without a job, without a goal. I kind of just want to try try it out in a in a new city, in a new place, starting a, a new life. Yeah.、Um, so it was only after I moved here that I started looking for a job. Okay. And I just by chance I ha- happened to end up here. Was the Whole Foods here? Yes. Okay, so you probably went shopping <laughs> to Whole Foods and then somehow yeah, saw、Costco. the name. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I remember coming to this Costco one of the first times I came to Austin.、Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't see the name on the building back then, but it was like I think 2021 is when I first found this,、uh, the the place,、mm-hmm. like、this Costco and and Whole Foods. It's 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 a fun area around here. Like a lot of traffic, a lot of busy like stores around here. Does it does it help you with the practice? Yeah, it definitely does.、Uh, this is kind of a like a meeting point between the hill country as they come down and then that's right the r- rest of the South Austin. Yeah. So and and with the big anchor stores here, it definitely drives a lot of people.、Um, get a lot of、uh, visibility in this right. area. Right. Right. For those people that are listening or don't know Austin much, it's a pretty hilly. Yep. Right. So that what makes Austin unique is I wouldn't call them mountains, but there there are a lot of hills here. Yep. There's a lot of hills, and then the river kind of separates the city into two. Yeah. And for people like me from Chicago, when they call, they basically divided the river into three parts:、mm-hmm. Lake Travis, Lake Austin, Lake Lady Bird. But it's the same Colorado River、mm-hmm. with like three or four dams in between. And、I'm, when I look at it, and they call it a lake, I'm like,、mm, guys, Lake Michigan is the lake, <laughs> right? So like, this is not a lake. But okay, this is this is just a little tangent. I'm curious,、um, how old are you? When, how old were you when you purchased this practice?、Uh, let's see, I purchased a practice when I was around, I would say like 32. Yeah. How was it? It was a shocking experience. Kind of,、um, um, I mean, thinking about it, like thinking back, it was definitely an, an unnerving experience. You know, at that time, at that age, buying. 
a a business and then owing a, a big load of loan money to the bank and then trying to make it work, make it you know, uh, make basically trying to survive. So right, you probably had a student loan. Yes. Probably, I still do. Probably in the range of a hundreds? Yes. Okay. And then buying this in the range of a hundreds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or actually buying this in the three hundreds. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably one of the biggest questions that a lot of people have in their mind, especially dental students, is like, how am I going to like swallow right. all that, right? So you have the student debt, you have all this stuff. And, you know, a lot of people do talk about private practice ownership being so much fun, like, but a lot of dentists, um, especially right out of the school, will be forced to go to the DSOs. Not that it's bad or wrong. It's just, you know, it's just another another option. Um, when you made that decision to buy this practice, like what drove you? Like with all the fears, but why did you st- what, why did you pursue that opportunity? Well, ultimately, I wanted a place of my own, uh, something I can call my no my office, my my business. And since I've been working in this location, this office, for about three years prior, I mean, I built up the patient base. Um, I love the staff that I work with. So naturally, it is a good choice for me to become part of this family or eventually own this family. Right. But, like, when you go home and when you think about, like, okay, so at the end of the day, like, you really are driven to buy this practice because like you want to have your own place is that the main driving factor yes okay and the, all the fears and all the numbers come to become it sort of become secondary yeah we call it became secondary but it's also definitely become the driving force you know force you to wake up in the morning to go see patients and to carry on a day right because there are so many people they're like when you listen to them it feels like you're you're like waking up every morning like a sunshine, you're, you're like, can't wait to get to the office. But the life is a little different, right? I'm sure mm-hmm. there are days when you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't even see the schedule yet, but I already feel it, right? So yep. I can imagine how kind of day it's going to be. But so during that time or during days like that, it's it, it helps to, to have those fears to, to drive it you? It does. It does. But it's also helped to keep your, your goal, your focus in mind, um, what you're automatically ultimately trying to achieve, trying to grow, and then you know, just take one patient at a time. Um, because and once you see the schedule as a whole day, it becomes very daunting seeing that you know, these, these blocks of your day just taken up. But if you break it down into, okay, this one I need to, this is you know, somebody I saw a couple of months ago and just follow up. And you eventually grow a relationship with the patients that it's not so taxing to see them. Right. And if you would look back, um, it's almost 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. If you would look back, would there any be anything would, that you would, do, like you would do differently? Like, is there anything you look back and you're like, oh, I was worried about this stuff and I shouldn't worry about it, you know? Like, mm, I would say I would probably take, um, like, I, I would say I would probably uh, update the office sooner. Uh, because there's a lot of technologies out there, a lot of things that make your life a lot easier. Um, back then, I was still kind of you know, dabbling on trying out different things and wanted to stick with the tried and true methods. So by implementing technology, I realized, well, this is much easier than I thought it would be. So I think that would that kind of drives the day. 
Right. And what was your thought process back then? Why didn't you implement back then? Well, cost is definitely a big threshold. When you have this much loan, this much debt already, you're just trying to put that down before accumulating more debt. So that's a big plus. And then with so many things out there, you really don't know what really works. Um, if you talk to the representatives, they always tell you this is the best, this right. is, the, this is yeah. the number one. And then when you use it, like this kind of did not work out. Right, right. So who do you listen to like when it comes to things like that? I do my due diligence to mostly like Dental Town or other magazines, talk to my peers, trying to figure out what works for them. Um, we do have a like a little chat group with the people that I went to school with. So we had received the same training. We grew up with the same environment. So I, I, we know what works uh, for us best. Yeah. I almost want to ask this really dumb question. Mm-hmm. Um, but feel free not to answer. But I'm just really, really curious. Why do you think NYU gets a bad rep? I think it's getting a bad rep because how big it is. Um, it is the largest dental school in the U.S. It is one of the most expensive dental schools. So their reputation is that they are more in, in the education business rather than training doctors. And, but that's, all the, that's also due to where it is. And the location also gives it a very special advantage that you have an endless amount of patients. And so you go through your ears seeing... Your, uh, your dental school years seeing a lot more and getting exposed to a lot more things and cases than I would be, you know, other Any places others, would be yeah. able to. Yeah. So do you think it's wrong that people get that impression of NYU or there's some truth to that? I think there's definitely some truth to that. Um, I mean, when you're managing a school this big, students sometimes, individual students sometimes become secondary and then they feel like they're just a number in the system. Right, right. Interesting. All right, we won't dwell too much on this because we want to talk about your practice, not <laughs> necessarily the dental school, because at the end of the day, like it, it, I think what really matters is what you do with your post-graduation stuff, right? So mm-hmm. like with your career and what you learn and how you learn. And why do you think, sometimes I wonder, you seem like, especially when you touch on the subject of technology, there are people when they graduate, I feel like they feel like they're done with education. Right, and they just go in their practice and they go about their day. But then I see you and you know a couple other our doctors on Zen, and it's always like trying new. Like every like we have this office that they've tried everything, every single implant company, right? They've tried all these different composites. They've tried all these different things, photonal laser, this and that, mm-hmm. and and the the PRF or whatever it's called with the blood stuff. Mm-hmm. They've got it all right, and so, and then. To some people just don't. And why do you think that's the case? It also depends on your personal comfort level and what you want to do. I try to gear my office to be a one-stop shop for everyone. So I like to dabble on different different techniques, different things. I know there are doctors who hate doing fillings. So they would you know, focus more on crowns um, and things like that. But for me, the use of technology it really opened my eyes to the possibility of dentistry, of things that, are, that used to be very difficult to do with the help of technology that makes it a lot easier to achieve. And if it's easier for you to do, it becomes more enjoyable. Right. Can you give an example? Well, I used to hate taking impressions, um, you know, for whether it is for crowns or 
you know, for dentures and things like that. But with the help of you know digital oral scanners, it much it becomes much easier. And you know, you and if, if one doesn't work, rescan. It takes you five ten minutes versus before you have to get all these different alginate materials right. and then mix it and then get messy and clean People them up. People gag and right. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely, that makes things a lot easier. That's awesome. Do you use that to promote dentistry in your office? Like, do you talk to patients about it, that you've got all this technology? Or this becomes more like how you do things, not necessarily how you, quote-unquote, sell things? Yeah, I mean, I, my view on technology is that it helps me do what I needed to do. Um, to achieve the result. So I don't particularly use it to promote to patients oh, because we use this, we have this. But from their experience, when they see what we have, you know, these, these advances and they're no longer gagging on impression materials, they have a good experience and then they talk to their friends and naturally it becomes a self-promoting practice. Right, right. That's pretty cool. Um, I want to take a little tangent. Uh, you mentioned that you have a chat group with your friends. Mm -hmm. Are any of them working for a DSO? Uh, they are, yes. Okay. When it comes to vacation planning, having your own right. office definitely helps. Right. I've known you for a little bit, but I think you've been to so many vacations that I'm <laughs> like, this is so cool. Like, that's so awesome. How do, you, how do you plan that? Like, do you plan ahead of time? It's in your schedule? Usually I do. I mean, a minimum plan my vacation six months to a year in advance. Okay. Um, just so that I can get it on the books so that you know, it doesn't conflict with the things that I'm doing. Right. Do you plan it together with the conferences or continuing education that you need to do or these are like separate things that you separate do? okay because i know some people call it vacation but they go and take c's and <laughs> right, stuff and right yeah yeah i've done that before and then i mean i figure when i'm on vacation and the last thing i want to think about is dentistry right i mean i think about it day in and day out you know, every day so having a break from that and focus on living your life i think that's more important right I like to ask that, this question when the day is over. I mean, in dentistry, especially if it's not a startup, mm -hmm. it's like it's pretty stable, right? Like once you get to a certain point, you have the equal amount of patients each month, right, except September. Then you got some stuff like that's pretty evenly spread out throughout the year. My, my question is when you get in a car and you drive home, like what is the first thing you do? Mm. The first thing I do when I get home is take a nap. Get in a car. <laughs> okay, in the car, yeah. So you're like, close the door if you're the last one. If not, you just walk out of the practice. You're like, get in a car. What's the first thing you do? <laughs> well, the first thought in my mind is, should I go to the gym or should I go home? You know, should I go exercise or not? Um, yeah. But what, then, what typical, what's the ratio? Uh, I would say about 70, 30, 70 of times I get, end up getting going home and 30%. 30% of, of the gym. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's a good start. But is there a thought process that you have like, yeah, it was a great day. Like you go over the cases that you did or you just like, like it's done and done. Definitely. There are days that you feel great, like you did so many things today and it worked out. That crown just dropped in, like you didn't do adjustments or anything and just cemented all as well. There are certain days where you go when you, you know, close the door to your car and realize what just going what was going on, what happened today? Like why yeah. is everything just not going away? And it happens. Yeah. Do you have like a mental conversation or like mental framework that you're like if that happens because, like, I mean, I always think about it, too. It's like there are days when, like, just phenomenal. Everything is great. The team is on point, And there are days when it's not. And a lot of times I realize, like, nothing changed. It's me. 
right? So it's just something happened and, you know, it's not like I lost the skills or I, I lost the ability to do certain things, but it just wasn't the day. And then, like, I have a little framework when I get in a car and I would either have a very specific book that I would want to listen so that it snaps me back into the right mode or, or sometimes just a song or music or I would look at the pictures of my kids and stuff. And so, like, is there anything that you have similar to, to help you get back into, like, the quote-unquote normal versus being yeah. then? Yeah, I think one of the, on those days when nothing's going right, nothing's going well and then I mean I go home I just kind of turn down the lights light a candle and then just listen to the music uh, kind of drown myself in the moment so I can de-stress forget about what happened today and then not not con constantly dwelling up on it right I mean when it's only after that I feel like I'm rested I'm recharged then I go and review oh, okay so what can I do better what can I improve and what I may need to change in my approach yeah and there are days when we get home and it's like Two bottles of wine. Yeah. Right. Yep. You just got to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. What is the, what is, how do you see yourself in five years? Like when you think about this practice, do you have aspirations to open more? Do you have aspirations to continue building this practice? Just like, how do you think about the future? I mean, this is part I'm still on the cusp of. I haven't quite decided on what direction I want to take. In five years, though, I definitely want to have someone helping me um, with, with, uh, the patient load. Our office is constantly growing. Um, this Austin is constantly growing, so we need more hands. And But as to whether I want more location or associates, that I haven't quite decided yet. Interesting. You still got time. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Yeah. What, um, what aspect of private practice ownership, besides the things that we've talked about, you control your own... Um, uh, procedures, the clinical, you control, I mean, pretty, pretty much a lot of things that you control. Is there anything else that you're like, you know, I wish more people would have done it to own their own practices? Or do you think there's like not, certain personalities cannot own their practices? Have you ever, like, have you ever think about it? Have yeah. Have you ever thought about yeah. it? Yeah. I feel like practice, private practice is not for everyone. Mm -hmm. to be to um, to be honest I mean you need to be able to deal with multiple things at once not just the clinical side there's also the business side there's also you know trying to grow so eventually you're your own company you have the service that you're providing but you also have the people that you need to manage and then you'd have marketing to be concerned about and recently because I just renewed the lease I have legal stuff I need to worry about so there's different aspects uh, of running your own business and I'm sure that's with any business as well it's not just doing one thing and so I think to be able to deal with this, the, these different aspects and having a mindset that you know, you're able to to uh, be open to other people's opinions, suggestions, I think that's helpful. Right. And some people like have friends that just didn't want to deal with all that, so they'd rather stay with a DSO or working as an associate. Okay, that makes sense, and and I, that I do think that too is we've had um, a couple discussions in the past um, with my previous business. We used to build dental offices, and so it was I could I could see it after I don't know couple, you know, dozen of offices that I've built and talked to people that were building their first practice, you can see who is going to be cut out for that and who is not. So it was, it was interesting to, to even go through an experience where one doctor did open the practice and then ended up losing it 
and it was heartbreaking you know mm-hmm. to see a person to go through that and it's it's really tough and so i think people need to study a little bit more mm-hmm. what it takes to own a practice and then really ask yourself like are you cut out for that right i think it's really important yep and i really hope that you know school could have taught you more about the business side um uh, i don't know you know i'm kind of torn on this because <laughs> like I, I hear the point where a lot of people you know especially the consultants they will poo poo on the dental schools mm-hmm. and they'll just bash them like like they don't teach you anything you don't know anything and then I did talk to one of the professors at the UIC um, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Tiger, we could barely fit in what we need to teach them in four years. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish we would have a one or two year residency after that so that we have the patient flow and everything. But just four years is not enough sometimes for clinical stuff. And she's like, I'm more concerned when they graduate, they're clinically capable to do the dentistry versus running the business of dentistry. Mm-hmm. So I see both points. And to be honest, like knowing that most doctors, not most doctors, there's a, a split. I don't know the percentage who's going to be an associate and who would be thrilled to be an associate. Mm-hmm. And somebody would be a practice owner and would be thrilled to be a practice owner. Like we don't know the split. But knowing that that exists, maybe the clinical route is important for the, for the dental schools to mm-hmm. get that right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you don't want to go out, come out of dental school and be sued for malpractice the first thing. Right. That's not a yeah. good start to your career. Right, but you're like so legally equipped <laughs> to fight that your own, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, I mean, having, yes, be having the skill set and, and like you said, it's definitely not enough time in dental school to, to learn everything. So that's why I think like a mentorship or you know, where, you're, where you land your first job is really important, important yeah. because that, teaches you aspects of the career who you learn from Mm -hmm. that is so cool well i don't want to take more of your time this was awesome i'm my team and i we really enjoy working with you and we continue um we're looking forward to continue working with you there's so much we want to build and share and come back and show you and get your feedback and i already know you asked for things like add my dental assistants on the platform Mm -hmm. that you can delegate the stuff and Mm -hmm hopefully create the tasks within the platform that now we can say, all right, your task is at five o'clock to submit the order for approval. Mm-hmm. So it's all coming, but I wanted to have this chance to sit down and talk. And maybe the last thing as we wrap up, when you think about Zen, mm-hmm. what comes to your mind as a, maybe in one word or one sentence, like from what you've seen so far? Well, I'm also, I'm thinking about Zen as sort of an Amazon of dental supplies and, and products. That's true. That's true. Thank you so much, Dr. Ben. I appreciate your time.